around the home turn in the Queen Elizabeth and Desert War is in front by about a length and a half on Coalesce. Now Aratus and the three-year-old is taken to the centre of the track and is going after Desert War. Desert War's in front. Aratus with every stride is coming after him. Can he wear down this old war horse? Desert War. Desert War's in front. Aratus running off the track. He's running out of ground and Desert War's going to lead all the way. He does it again. Desert War wins it from Aratus Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Trainer's Hut. It's great to have you with us for this new episode and Desert War straight off the top there, of course, during the week. The sad news that Mr. Kowenko passed away. We just had Andrew Baddock on the show last week, who's the manager up there at Goulry Park Stud. We had a great chat about uh, the history of Mr. Kowenko's racing career and, and the farm or the empire that... He's built up there in Mudgee, and our thoughts are with the family of, of Eduardo Cuenco and, of course, the team up there at Goree Park. And he's someone who, throughout his time in the industry, obviously touched a lot of people, and he's bred some very, very nice horses. He's probably one of the best breeders this country's seen, and he always put back into the industry, you know, not only through jobs and through trainers and things like that, but he certainly... Uh, provided horses that have been a big influence in the industry. We think of Northern Meteor and Deep Field and Zoostar. What they're doing at the start at the moment is a direct uh, relation to that. Hello Crowns had the Oaks winner. So it's not only the race, uh, the, the stallions, but the race horses as well. He's raced some very, very good horses. And I think Desert War, I chose him off the top there because he's probably the horse that will be synonymous for me with uh, the Goulry Park colours, the... The red with the black stripes and coming through racing and watching watching as a kid, you know, those colours, well, they, they are as big as the Dali colours or the Coolmore colours for me, you know. They, they are a, a big, big thing in racing and it'd be great to see them continue into the future. But as I said, our condolences to the family and the team up there at Goulry Park Stud. And like you say, Andrew Baddock was on last week, so... If you haven't had a listen to that episode, go back through the archives there on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the website, wherever you're listening to the podcast and have a listen. It was a great chat with Andrew and he speaks very highly of who he referred to as the boss and uh, it's certainly going to be a bit different up there without him. But as we said last week, the gates are opening up to outside clients. So it's a new direction for Goree Park Start and we wish the team all the best and our thoughts are with them. Today's episode, though, we're going to have a chat with Sam Kavanagh, who is a returning trainer. It's been well noted, the battle that he went through with regards to cobalt and caffeine charges. He served his time. He's coming back to the industry now, setting up a stable up there in the Scone area, training out of Musselbrook. And we're going to have a chat to Sam Kavanagh about a couple of the horses that he's purchased recently, rebuilding the stable up there. At Scone and uh, trains out of Musselbrook. He's got the property at Scone there. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. But Dulcero, the Cadolphin filly that he purchased at the English Online auction. We spoke last week about the Cadolphin reduction sale and a couple of comments that were made on Twitter. And we're just going to go straight to the source here. A bloke who's purchased a Cadolphin horse and find a couple of different reasons why... Trainers and owners alike purchase um, horses from, from reduction sales such as Cadolphin. So I'm really intrigued to see what Sam's got to say about that. We're also going to touch on Sikandrabad, another horse that he's purchased from the Hayes camp. And he looks like a horse that's certainly going to give the owners a bit of fun um, and, and a return as well. So 
He's got a he's got a wealth of knowledge, this bloke, and I mean, you've only got to look at his association in racing with his father and what's going on at Royal Ascot at the moment with uh, Believe and Succeeds Anthony Van Dyke winning the derby last year and then at Royal Ascot last night we saw Atlantic Jules uh, foal win one of the derby lead-up trials. So sh- he's going to be on track to race at Epsom early next month. So we'll keep an eye on that for the show. But but it's great to see him back in the training ranks up there in New South Wales and everyone deserves their second chance and I'm sure it's a chance that Sam is going to look to make the most of, but let's head to him now. Joining me on the line now in the trainer's hut, very lucky to have this man on the show, Sam Kavanagh. Welcome to the trainer's hut, mate, or welcome back to the trainer's hut, I should say. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, Sam, we'll we'll touch on on the band to start off with, and then we're going to have a bit of a a chat about the rebuilding of the stable, because there's a couple of interesting purchases you've made recently. But 2015, your band started. It must have felt like a lifetime ago. It was originally nine years and three months, but on appeal was brought back to four years and five months. Oh, yeah, look, it was it was one of those things. It was obviously, you know, horrible at the time, but, um, you know, we, we, we live and learn and you just got to keep moving forward. I mean, uh, if it was if it was four years and, and we got to walk away from the industry, um, you know, and, and, and come back, it, it probably would have been a lot easier than it was. Obviously, the, the court battle for the last four years was very difficult, you know, both financially and, and mentally, but... Um, you know, I, I've always wanted to train, so I, you know, our last, just about our last run, I won the Scone Cup, and, um, you know, we always wanted to get straight back into it, so, um, you know, my, my partner Kelly's very interested in breeding horses, and she's got seven mares, and, uh, you know, she wants to breed and, and race, and, you know, this is always part of our plan to come back, so... We've spent, you know, the last five years educating ourselves to get to get better, and and you know she's she's in, she does an incredible job. You know she's educated herself in, in nutrition and uh, you know massage, acupuncture, and, and a lot of other things. And you know we've tried to educate ourselves with our business and how we run things, and, and you know we'll, I'm confident we'll come back bigger and stronger. And is that the sort of stuff you're getting up to during your time off um, with your partner in the breeding and, and working on a couple of farms and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. I got permission to work on, on stud farms. I did, you know, obviously wasn't allowed to do anything with horses in training or anything like that, which is fine. And, you know, we, we just worked away and survived, basically. But, um, you know, always with the plan that we were coming back to training and, you know, Kelly, I've, I've supported her. And it, in a way, it's been a blessing for her. She's... You know, gained some confidence building her own business and, and she's done an incredible job. So, you know, we've been very supportive of that and now that'll complement uh, my business moving forward, which is even better. Well, we'll get, move on to that business, Sam, and, of course, the rebuilding of the stable. One of the horses that I'm very interested to have a chat with you is the Dawn Approach filly you purchased from the Cadolphin Reduction Sale a number of weeks ago on the, the English digital platform. You picked up Dolcero for 55000 She's only lightly raced with the three starts. Yeah, so, uh, look, obviously we wanted to, you know, we, we started off purchasing uh, about three weeks ago now. We started with Sincarabad from um, Hazes off English Digital. We've used that platform several times. And um, the Godolphin sale coming up was, you know, an, an important one to attack. And we did a lot of research. And, um, you know, I, I've got some really good 
astute form people that, that helped me a lot. And uh, uh, one of the form guys, you know, basically rang me up and said, for him, number one picks Dolcero, loves her trials. Uh, you know, she went to Newcastle and was heavily backed in favourite first time in blinkers and got, just got beaten. But, you know, from the way she ran, she went to the front and she sort of was holding everybody off by half a length. And then when Bjorn Baker's horse went past her, once she'd seen it, she came again and all of a sudden she was, you know, two and a half lengths ahead of the third horse. And he just thought she had a lot more to give. And uh, I sent Kelly up to inspect and... and uh, go over all the horses and, and that's what she's very good at. She's very good with biomechanics and, and muscle soreness and, you know, problem horses and she felt that out of the whole draft, uh, you know, Dolcero was the one for us and, um, look, she's a $180,000 yearling. She's only had three starts. She's a maiden and the beauty of training in country New South Wales is we're eligible for highway races, which are class two and three races. Uh, which, you know, are basically Saturday prize money for, for country horses only. And, you know, we're, we're hoping uh, that she'll mature into a country championships horse. But right now she's a maiden and that's, that's a long way away. But, you know, and, and the fact she's a Bob's filly as well. So she'll run in a maiden, you know, hopefully in two weeks' time. And, you know, she can potentially earn nearly half of her purchase price back. Yeah, I'm interested to touch on a couple of things you said there because, like I said on the show last week, there was a certain gentleman who posted on Twitter sort of mocking the theory of buying a Cadolphin horse because he was suggesting that you're trying to find something that Vin Cox and James Cummings and the the Blue Army have missed a Cadolphin, but that's not why you purchase a horse like this. And and like you say, it really does open up a, a whole number of, number of races that's available to you. And at the end of the day, it's still a, a horse with quality. But these big stables, what people don't understand is they're actually the, the great places to buy off of because they're, they're a quality of horse that's not easy for us to find and, and purchase. And, you know... This filly, although she's a maiden, she's lightly raced. She's trialled very well. She started in the market. The stables had a had a wrap on her. Um, my understanding is she's worked at home with significantly better horses uh, than her form suggests. And but from Godolphin's point of view, you know, as a broodmare, they they're basically breeding from stakes winners out of their group. And and if you you look on social media this week, people have been tweeting out the Godolphin horses the fillies that have retired this year and gone to start and I think there's something like nine stakes winners. So a filly like this doesn't doesn't achieve much for them, you know, going to win a, a country, uh, sorry, a, a, a maiden class one and perhaps be an off-season Saturday horse. Well, as from our perspective, being country trainers, um, you know, she can come back into a country system and, and win significant prize money uh, and, and be... And, and certainly win more than her, uh, her, her purchase price. Um, you know, Sheikh Mohammed's got unbelievable stock and he has a system where he's breeding stallions and he's breeding stakes winning fillies and, and that's what they want moving forward. So uh, I think, you know, we've seen it happen a, a lot. You know, Sontag left and won a group one. Um, you know, there, there's obviously been others, but uh, there's, for years there's been stakes winners come out of these sales from from Darley, you know, from Peter Snowden or from John O'Shea. Uh, I think Australian Bloodstock had a lot of luck. I think Cody Morgan has won two or three country championships heats with extra Godolphin horses. Uh, there was a horse that won last week in Brisbane by five lengths inquiry that I think he was an ex-Godolphin horse that had won five in a row in Brisbane. So, 
you know, they're out there. But from James Cummings' perspective, you know, if they're not stallion material, if they're geldings or they're not stakes-winning fillies, that, that's not the job description that they have and they get moved on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, with the, you know, it's a big system and there's a lot of horses, like you say, coming through. So if they're not quite up to a certain level or believed to not be up to a certain level, of course, some do slip through. But a smaller stable has a, a lot more time and energy to devote to the horse as well to get the best out of them that maybe it wouldn't get at a, at a big system. Oh, look, we're not, we're not sitting here saying, oh, we're going to improve the horse on James Cummings and the Godolphin system. It's an amazing system. They do an amazing job. What we are trying to achieve is we're buying a reasonably unexposed horse that's still a maiden. We're taking it into the country, which is weaker. We've purchased a horse for 55000 that's still eligible for bobs. Now, at the end of the day, if she wins a maiden in a class one, the owners are going to get 40000 of that back. If she wins a, a highway race that's a class two or a class three, you know, they're $40,000 plus to the winner. So she can potentially win $120,000 without meeting a city-trained horse. Whereas in Godolphin system, she's got to race, you know, against those top stables all the time and, and may not, you know, it's just a different opportunity. We're yeah, buying absolutely. a horse with less of money and, and chasing a different goal. We're trying to get, you know, people involved in, in 5% shares and, and have an amazing racing opportunity. Yeah, they're chasing absolute top end. Uh, it's just a, a different system. Same goes for to James Harold and, and Henry Field and Sean Horseblood when they sell their colts yeah. um, through their sales. You know, once they're geldings, they're not interested in them, uh, and and that's why you know they they still get decent money for them, and they still go on and win races. But from the day they're gelded, they're no longer a, a business. Uh, that you know they're they're looking for that good colt every year, and if they're buying you know twenty five colts and they lob one stallion, then it's a profitable year. So it's just different systems, and and this is allowing I think people in a lesser market, and when I say a lesser market, you know she was three thousand dollars a share, and the owners can go to the races in three weeks, and potentially there's an angle to say that they can win that that money back. And then at the end of the day, also Sam Kelly might have an eighth broodmare. Well, I hope not. I'm, 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 she, she was capped at four, and we've all of a sudden got seven, so yeah, you can see who wears the pants. It's, and that's another thing, too, and I suppose it extends not just to the race horses, but if you go to a broodmare sale or something like that, because they they are bred to the best stains, they are in the right system, so if you buy a broodmare or a filly such as this, you're every chance for something from the family to bob up in a year or two and and win a nice stakes race and really improve the pedigree as well. And then, like you say, either you can breed from yourself or the owners have got another way to make a return on their initial investment. Look, she was $180,000 purchase as a yearling, right? And, you know, she's a very good type and a very nice horse. And, you know, if she comes out for us and, and wins... You know, sixty or seventy thousand dollars. It's a it's a successful experiment. She doesn't need to win her purchase price back. But you know, the the yearling market. I love playing the yearling market. I've had a lot of success playing the yearling market. We bought some really nice horses. That's some stakes performers. You know, well, stakes winners. We bought a few of them. But um, and 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 for not a lot of money. But there's not only the element of risk, but it's time. And you know, people don't at the moment. I'm finding with uh, you know my market here in country New South Wales, 
you know, it, it costs the same to have a two-year-old in work as an older horse. So they want something that's going to run consistently rather than waiting. A lot of, you know, a lot, not every horse is an early two-year-old. And often when you're not paying with a big budget, you're normally buying a horse that needs a little bit of time and a little bit of TLC. And, you know, you, you add those expenses up, they run as a three-year-old or, or even closer to a four-year-old. Uh, you add those expenses up and people say, well, gee, we waited a long time. So they like the idea of when these guys have dispersal sales, getting into a horse that can run straight away. Absolutely, and that's Dolcero. So she's a dawn approach filly. Write that one down because I'm sure we're going to see her in the winner's circle in the future. We'll move on, Sam, to Sikandarabad. Um, the the Hayes horse you mentioned, he was a Yulong Investments um, horse previously. He's a bit more experienced. Um, he was a bit more expensive at 100000 also purchased off the English Digital, like you said, and He's another one that should be hitting the track soon for the stable and his owners. Yeah, so he's going to run in July. Look, he, he's a different one again. I mean, he, we're buying a seven-year-old there that, that has had form at the top level. He ran third to Metropolitan, and then he, he ran fourth in a two-rack handicap. But like I said to the guys that have gone in him, um, you know, even if he runs... I mean, he's a European... He's only just turned seven in Europe, and he's only had, I think, 30 starts. And at the end of the day, if we get 18 months of racing out of him, he's racing at an elite level, he's racing at stakes grade. If he wins one race, they'll they'll get their money back, and, and they're going to get some days out on big days. So, I mean, he was purchased to, to, you know, get new owners into the stable, but to say, well, you know... If he was three or four, he was obviously worth. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure what you long paid for him when they imported him, but you know that sort of form as a say five year old, he'd be worth significantly more. Um, but he was a lightly raced horse as a young horse, and we still think he's got plenty of racing left in him. And you know, if the owners can get 18 months out of him, I'm sure they'll have a lot of fun because he'll be racing in Sydney in town. And you know, he's he's got a rating high enough to get a race. They get a start in a race like the Gong at Kemba Grange, and you know, right now we'll aim him at the Wong and Newcastle Cups, and you know we'll see if we can get him to stay, or or then you know there's options like the Gong, or you know there's a race for horses that weren't sold through auction in Australia, which is a win and you're in into the Magic Millions Gold Cup. I mean, if I could get all those owners to the Gold Coast on a day like that, it's money well spent because it's just such an amazing amazing day and it's you know a group of 20 new clients we can go away on holidays and have a good time together and you know i'm sure they'll meet a lot of people in the syndicate that they become friends with and, and race with for a long time it's days like that that can potentially mean 20 new people to the stable that are 20 uh lifelong clients if you get a winner on a big day like that and they have a ball well it's not just about having the winner too i mean you know it's about you know, mixing and bonding. I mean, it's 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 very hard to get people to go into a horse and say, "Yep, we're definitely going to to win this much money, or we're going to do this." But if you can give them a great experience, and and we found this before with with our horses before. You know, we had we had a runner on Melbourne Cup day one year in the race after the Melbourne Cup, and he ran second. But all of those owners talk about that week because not only did they go to Melbourne Cup day and their horse ran second. Um, but we went out for dinner the night before. We told everybody which hotel we were staying in. Most of us stayed in the same hotel. Yeah. And they mixed in a group of 15 people uh, that, you know, had a, a really lovely week and a good time together. And they did things together and then they continued to race on and they've got friends out of that syndicate that they've remained friends with and remained racing with. And, you know, I'm, I, and, and, 
you know, obviously there's a lot of people that end up doing business together and so on and so forth. It's, yeah, you know, it's a hobby. It's a hobby for most people, and it's a, a pleasure sport. And um, you know, it gives them a common interest with 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 other people. So, if we can, you know, we try to build a community around the stables, and you know, the more people that get to meet each other, I think it, it makes for a better time. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes more of an an experience overall rather than just a, a horse ownership experience sort of thing, doesn't it? Absolutely. Now tell us a bit about some of the other horses that are that have been part of the rebuild of the stable, Sam. You've got a, a good mix of some tried horses there. Are there some young ones coming through that you have a nice opinion of? Yeah, look, Kelly's obviously been breeding some horses for the last few years that we're going to have come through. We've got, I think, five yearlings this year uh, currently being broken in, which, you know, we'll obviously look forward to them. There's nothing in there that's a, an early two-year-old, but, you know, that'll be the back end of the season. Um, she's got a couple of horses there that have been waiting for a trainer that'll be unraced sort of four and five year olds, which, uh, you know, they'll, they'll come along and be ready sort of in, in August. Uh, we weren't really prepared to have them to go straight away, but, you know, there's a couple of ones there that'll, that'll turn up in August. And I've been, you know, very lucky. I've got some great friends that have had horses in other stables that have, you know, sent me some horses and we, we picked up a couple of nice lease horses from Grastonbury Stud to get some people involved with. Um, and, and obviously we've been purchasing on English Digital. So they're up to around the, I think, 18 mark at the moment, and, and we're sort of surging into, uh, you know, it'd be nice to get into the 20s or 30s of, of horses on the books to, to be able to keep the stable flowing. Um, but, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and, uh, you know, things are, things are probably going along better than we could have expected at this stage. And when's your first runner back at the races looking like, Sam? Have you sort of got, you mentioned uh, July, you might be there at the races. Is that going to be your first runner? I've got my first runner in on Monday, uh, horses, uh, Jerry Harvey's. Mr. Harvey sent me a horse uh, as soon as I called him and let him know that I was relicensed, which I'm, I'm most grateful for. Uh, her name is Magnificently, and um, look, her form isn't particularly good. But uh, look, she's settled in well, and um, you know she's she look, she's working along okay. Uh, we're not we're not sort of expecting anything great. I think it'll be more of a slow burn. I don't think the stable will come back into any amazing form over the next month. But uh, hopefully, coming into the new season, you know these horses like Dolfiero and and <clears throat> Sikandrabad and. Uh, you know, a couple of the maidens there will, will show up and, and we can start hopefully having some horses running in town. Uh, and through the spring, I think we've got some well-placed young horses that can probably end up in highway races during the spring. And you never know, you're lucky in the big city, something might show its hand to be a Kosciuszko horse or, or country championships horse. So it's sort of, you know, very up in the air. There's, I mean, I guess the headline acts are the horses that we've purchased and, um, you know, but, but like I said, we're, we're, it'll be a slow burn for the next sort of six months, and hopefully in the new season we can we can start to, to make some inroads. Yeah, absolutely, mate. A, a test inning century isn't made in the first couple of overs, so there's nothing wrong with uh, just playing the straight back, getting the eye in, and then uh, get get the work done a bit later. Yeah, I mean it's funny. I was I was lucky enough. My first runner won at Morfittville, and then uh, my my first runner in Sydney won at Warwick Farm. And uh, I sort of, you know, you have it in your mind that you'd really like the first one that you 
you step out to go and win. But uh, and and that's not to say that she can't win. She you know she's she's a yeah. nice enough filly that's running in a benchmark you know fifty eight and that's her grade. So I, I hope she runs well. But it, you know it would have been nice to really have one nailed on and and make sure you get the first one over the line. But uh, look, you know we're like I said, we'll just we'll just play the play the long game and you know, we've got a few nice horses and hopefully, you know, come the new season we can start to sort of sneak into town and, and start to have some, some better runs come up. And the first horse I had a, a share of, of my own in he was running at Kilmore. I think it might have been a 0 to 58. He was last on the turn. I thought, oh, here we go. And he just flew home down the outside, claimed the win. I thought, how easy is this? And, gee, it was a little bit longer between drinks the second time round. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? You've really got to enjoy those moments. Yeah. Uh, because you just don't know know when the next one comes. But, you know, and, and that's why most trainers, you know, invariably... You know, most trainers invest back into horses in their own stables to, to help it grow and, you know, there's not many wealthy trainers around because horse racing is like a drug, both for the owners, for trainers, for jockeys. You get that high out of having a win and, it, and it's addictive and, and you know, the, the whole vibe and the euphoria, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it is a real rush. It doesn't matter whether it's at Kilmore, at Scone, at Randwick or at Flemington, you know, it's... It's just an amazing game to be involved with, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll do our podcasts each week and uh, our stable podcasts, and we'll do our, our audio updates for the owners and our videos, and we'll just try to get as much information across to our owners and to our, our people that are interested of the back end of the stable, so they understand it's not just all about race day. Uh, you know, if you, you've got to try and have people involved in the build-up and explain what's going on. I guess it's really important to educate the owners because, you know, owners think when they get their, their bill through that training fees are for the trainers to make money, whereas really training fees are, are to cover costs and, and explain what's being spent on your horses. And, uh, you know, trainers and, and jockeys make their, their money out of race day and hopefully you can have some success. Yeah, you're based up there at Scone, so you've mentioned uh, you spent a bit of time working up on the studs and stuff like that. You tr- uh, use Musselbrook Track for your for your gallops and stuff like that, but you're, you're based at a property there at Scone. Yeah, so we live on a property at Scone where we have the mares and foals and we have a few of the pre-trainers and then we have stables down at Musselbrook. Um, the Musselbrook Race Club's been fantastic. We get access to the grass, um, which is which is brilliant. You know, the, the facilities are great and... You know, I couldn't be happier. Um, you know, I mean, I've had I've had a couple of horses this week that look reasonably promising, and uh, Musselbrook have been, you know, nice enough to give us the course proper to gallop them on, which is, you know, something that you don't get at many tracks. So, but the facility that we have gives us every chance. Um, I have some, you know, decent riders coming through in the next month, and you know, staff's never easy in the country, um, but. I'm lucky enough that, you know, we've got some really good connections and, and we've got some really good people uh, that want to be involved in the stables. So, uh, you know, I, I truly believe, you know, it'll take us six or eight weeks to sort of get our, our systems really in play and working, but come the new season, we can start to make a, a reasonable impact in the local area. Sam Royal Ascot's on at the moment. There was a bit of bit of uh, drama with the, the coverage the other night that was well noted on Twitter and, and other platforms. Do you stay up and watch Royal Ascot? Yeah, this is the first year I haven't in probably 12, 13 years. So I spent 
um, a bit of time in England for Peter Chapel Hyam and was lucky to, uh, as his pupil assistant, was lucky to be in the stable when he had some great horses. He had a, a Royal Ascot winner in Dutch Art the year I was there, and he had the Derby winner uh, authorised. And you know, I, I actually um, saddled up Takeover Target for Joe Janiak uh, in the when he won the King Stand. So. Um, I, I've had some wonderful Royal Ascot experiences and, uh, you know, I love this Royal meeting, but at the moment, because, of, you know, I'm starting at three in the morning, I, I put it on tape and watch it the next morning and I, I'm normally uh, right across the form in Europe and, and really follow it deeply, not only to buy horses, but just because it's a passion of mine and, you know, if they race for, for decent money over there, it would certainly be somewhere that I'd love to train. But it's it's a really hard market, and you know, it's you've got to have a, a, a name and a lot of money behind you, and it's a very difficult place to be a trainer. Um, but yeah, I love the European racing. But this year, just with the COVID and everything, the form's a little bit harder to do for the Royal Meeting. A lot of horses sort of first up from a spell, and you know, the two-year-old races which I really enjoy, uh, are particularly hard. So I, I've sort of been keeping to the replays, but I was very excited to watch uh, Atlantic Jules some win last night. That was, yeah, that that was, was impressive. Good and hopefully he'll go on to the Derby. Um, another mare we had, Believe and Succeed, actually was the mother of the Derby winner last year, Anthony Van Dyke. So um, funny enough, from Australia, the, the English Derby is a race that uh, I've, you know, I feel... Uh, quite passionate about uh, obviously having you know spending time with Peter Chappelheim when he had authorised and then you know having Believe and Succeed and then Atlantic Jewel in the stables so both gone on to once had a Derby winner and once got the second favourite for the Derby so it'd be pretty exciting to see him go and do that yeah it must be pretty special to see that going on the other side of the world of course the link there with uh, your father Mark Training both those horses, but yeah, like you say, it's no mean feat. She's um, produced, a, or both horses have produced a, a couple of real stars there. Absolutely, and I think that's part of you know, cool more. They they do an amazing job to buy these you know these top quality mares, and, and particularly I think Galileo does really well with with speed mares, and you know he's a world champion stallion, and they've got a world champion setup. You know, Aiden and, and his family do an amazing job, and Bally Doyle's an amazing setup. So they um. They do, a, you know, they do a particularly good job, and you know, be be lovely to see Russian Emperor go on and be, you know, be the next big thing over there. Well, Sam, you've mentioned the podcast on the website and uh, the stables rebuilding. Is there shares available in horses? How do we get in touch with you? The website, get on the podcast. What's the what's the website? Uh, yeah, just samcavanaracing dot com dot au um, and sign in. Yeah, with your email and, and we send out a podcast on Friday night our first go last week it was a little bit rough we're going to hopefully improve as the weeks go on um, it's just going to be basically 10 minutes uh, a friend of mine and, and I will have a chat and often have a guest on um, to explain things that are going on in the stables whether it be you know through the nutrition or the bedding or you know the bits we use or you know the stride tree saddles whatever we're just going to try and have guests around give as much information as we can about what we do with the horses and um, hopefully that'll be interesting to the owners or interesting to the public and you know as far as horses go at the moment I've, luckily we've we've sold all of the horses we've purchased so far which 
we're really thrilled about. We've had amazing support. Uh, we've got a couple of nice fillies there that we're leasing out for people that want to get started in the industry. Uh, that are you know two quite well bred fillies, and we've got a, a sizzling out of a Group One winner and a, and a Tony out of a stakes placed mare, and uh, they're a great opportunity for people to get involved. And you know we're looking weekly at the moment on the on the on the sites of to more tried horses. We're not aggressively chasing yearlings at this stage. Uh, that's something that we'll look into in, in the next twelve months. But obviously, runners is most important for the stable at the moment, and. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking to get those sort of tried horses and being in a country area and having access to these highway races and country championships and Cosy Oscars and so on, we, we think we can have a point of difference and that's what we'll continue to do. Absolutely, and I really like that idea of the, the stable podcast as well because, like you say, even people that have a share in a horse, and you mentioned earlier about how they get sent the bill, and a lot of people wouldn't even know what that money goes into. So it's really good to sort of, I guess, open the door of the industry a bit there and just explain a bit behind the scenes because, you know, people only see a race day on a Saturday or something like that and don't really understand the process that a horse goes through to get there. Yeah, look, I think that's that's very very important, and you know, we we personally do things different to to majority of stables. I mean, you know, the majority of stables run with numbers. They they have you know their their streamlined you know feeds, their premixes or whatever, and and you know they're different systems, and every system's different. And we feel that we try to cater as best for the horse individually, um, but often that does come with with costs, and you know. We do things like, you know, we, we do bit fitting and make sure we have the right right bits on horses. We, we have the right saddles on the horses. And obviously with Kelly's background, the, the horses get a lot of sort of, you know, physio work and, and massage and acupuncture and so on. So, look, we're trying to, to do all these things, but they, they do come with, with costs. And we don't like to blow it out of proportion, but we also like the owners to understand what their money's being spent on and that it's not just going into our pockets, it's going to their best interests and hopefully their horse is performing well. Sam, thank you very much for coming in the trainer's hut this week. Um, we look forward to seeing you back at the races and wish you all the best with your return to racing and I'm sure we're going to see you in the winner's circle regularly uh, in the in the very near future and beyond and we'll just keep an eye on Magnificently there on Monday too. She won't let, we won't let her get too far away either. Thank you. Cheers. Sam Kavanagh there joining me in the trainer's heart, and he's certainly given us a couple of horses to follow there as he starts to build up to make his return back to racing. And as he mentioned, he's gained the support of a few big players there in the Australian breeding industry. Glastonbury Farms and uh, Mr. Jerry Harvey have thrown their weight of support behind him, and it's excellent to see that he's getting the, the second crack at training. And like he said, it's something that he always wanted to do. So... Wishing him all the best going forward in the second phase of his career. And that's it for this episode of The Trainer's Heart. Hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you are enjoying the show. I'm certainly loving bringing the show to you. If uh, you want to get in touch with me, let me know any suggestions, people I should have a chat with, get in touch on the Twitter. At Toblum Bloodstock is the handle on Twitter there. And if you search Sport Thought in Instagram and Facebook. You'll find the pages there as well and the website, www.sportthought.com.au. You'll find the sports blog there as well and a couple of other sporting podcasts that are available on the site. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. I'll see you next time in the trainer's heart. I'm Todd Blum. Thanks for listening.